All right. Hey, a lot of stuff going on right here. Amen. A lot of beautiful things happening this morning. Would you agree? Yeah. So I'm going to tell you something really quick. And that is um, uh, just kind of I got like 10 minutes. OK. <laughs> so just hold on tight for 10, 10 minutes and we'll be done. There is no time in the hands of the Lord. <laughs> but, uh, you know, people have nursery and we want to be respectful. Uh, the Lord has moved in a mighty way. I love it because everything goes together, man. When you make it all about Jesus, it just makes sense. Amen. And it's not just about Jesus as a teacher, but Jesus as a savior. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I want you to see that Jesus is your savior first and foremost. Uh, he is a great teacher, obviously, but but there's a there's a way to come to him under law and there's a way to receive from him under grace. And to see him as a teacher, a savior first is to receive what he really came here for. Um, to see him as a teacher is a form of pride. So we're going to see that in scripture this morning. And if you guys would bow your heads with me, I'll pray and we'll get started. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is always true. It's always on time. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do here this morning. God, what you've been doing. God, what you started doing last week. And as you continue to move, Father, you are always good, always on time, and you always give people hope. Thank you for loving people right where they are. Not the church people only, but the world, God. You love the world, and we so love you because you first loved us. Thank you, Father, for everything you're going to do right here this morning. In Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. All right. We're a little fired up a little bit. All right. Just a little. Just a little. You know why? Because we got electricity and we got air conditioning. Yes. That makes a big difference. Big difference. All right. So let's keep going. All right. I'm going to read to you from uh, Luke chapter 15. You guys know this story. Uh, there's th we're going to see three parables of demand and three parables of grace. And they're back to back. How many of you guys know that these, stor these stories right here in, in Luke 14 and 15 are in chronological order, okay? Uh, just kind of like Isaiah 53 and Isaiah 54. Isaiah 53 is about the death and suffering of Jesus. Isaiah 54 is about what he did after the cross. If you guys want to go home and read that, a little homework for you. This is the same kind of thing here, uh, Luke 15. I've read this a thousand times, right? But how many of you guys know that the word is alive? And you can still learn from it. Every single time you read it, you can learn from it. There's one word that caught my eye, and you'll see it in just a second. But let me just start right here. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Okay? Um, I want you to see the word then. So, so what does the word then imply? Something happened before that. Right? And so this time when I was reading it this week, I was like, then? I just always read it. So let's see what happened before this, okay? Because it's important that we read it in context. Because uh, a lot of people can throw verses out there and just hammer you with them. And you think, well, like, like take up your cross and follow me if you want to be my disciple. Or you've got to hate your mom and dad and your sister and even yourself if you want to follow me and be my disciple. Jesus said that, man. I'm like, whoa, that's kind of harsh. You want me to hate my mom and dad? And, and, and I, I've read that verse, and people were, uh, as I was growing up, youth pastors and stuff would be, uh, they would be, as I was growing up in the church, I should say, um, youth pastors and, and other pastors would point out that Jesus was being exaggerate. Uh, he was exaggerating the law and all that stuff. But I want to show you exactly what it says, okay? That we want the word to teach us, not what people teach us, okay? So let's see what happens here. So before all this, the tax collectors came and the sinners came. But notice the Pharisees, they were already there. They didn't just show up. It says the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him. The Pharisees were already there. Now, Pharisees are teachers of the law. 
okay? Uh, it's one thing to be under law. It's another thing to be under grace. Two different things. You can't do both. You cannot do both. So the Pharisees are all about the law. The, the, see, the law will always point to you and your sin. Whenever you try to do the right thing for the Lord, how many of you tried your hardest to do the right thing for the Lord, right? Deep down, we all want to do the right thing. But how many of you guys mess up? Yeah, man. You got, some of y'all lying. <laughs> but that's okay. It's all right. Yeah, we mess up all the time. Nobody can be close to God like me, okay? No one can be as perfect as I am, all right? And even when the, when the devil tries to mess this beautiful perfection up, I'm still beautiful, Tell them, Liz. <laughs> Gave her five dollars to say that. At the <laughs> Came out of the offering plate, so it wasn't on me. It was just, I'm just joking. Hey, I'm just joking. I would never, 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 never. All right, let's go back to Luke 14. All right, Luke 14. How many guys know comes before 15? All right, no math major. <laughs> never have been a math major. All right. All right, look, so check this out. Now, it happened as he went into the house of, the one, of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath that they watched him closely. So these Pharisees invited him in to, to watch him closely, right? Imagine eating across from somebody that's just like this. Right, now noticing everything. You know, you got, got a little something on your mustache or, you know, you got the way you pick up the silverware or whatever it is, right? They're, just sitting, they're not there to enjoy your company. They're there to accuse you, okay? They're there to find something. And I want you to notice also that he was in the house of the Pharisees. You're going to see that Jesus is not comfortable in this chapter. He's not comfortable because chapter 14 is about man's world. Chapter 14 is about their house, right? When Jesus comes in chapter 15, you'll see that's where he's comfortable because that's when the sinners came to him, amen? Jesus is comfortable around sinners. If you're a self-righteous person, he's not comfortable there because that's not what he came for. He came for sinners he's a savior if you what do you need to be saved from sin. sin yeah all right so uh and behold there was a certain man before him who had dropsy right that's how you read that word in greek dropsy you anybody know what dropsy is it's it's it's, it's um you ever heard of like the elephant syndrome and it's, it's where you have a lot of volume in your body a lot of uh, fluid a lot of water intake and it causes your skin to drop and all that that's literally what it means in the greek okay so this man had dropsy now why was the dropsy dude in there he's in the house of the pharisees see they're trying to catch jesus they're trying to see something they're trying to see what he will do because it is the sabbath right and so jesus you know jesus nothing catches him by surprise he kind of knew this was going to happen right so uh, they, they brought him before him, and Jesus answering. Did anybody ask Jesus a question? Is Jesus allowed to answer something? <laughs> yeah. What are you, were you going to tell him no? Right? So Jesus answered them. Why do you think he answered them? Because he knew what they were doing. Amen? So he knew what they were doing. So Jesus answered and spoke to the lawyers. Look, if you're a lawyer in here, Jesus loves you. Just like he loves drug dealing pastors. He loves lawyers. <laughs> this has nothing to do with that title. Amen. Don't go go talk about my pastor said lawyers were from the pit of hell. All right. Because that's not what's happening. Jesus loves people. All right. But lawyers and Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? But they kept silent. They kept silent. And he took the, he took him and healed him and let him go. That's the same Jesus that's alive today. That's the same Jesus. He'll do the same thing. He'll take you, heal you, let you go. It's a beautiful thing, man. That's who he is. So 
What happens next? Then he answered them. Again, nobody asked him a question, but he answered them because he could see it on their faces. He said, which one of you having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit will not immediately, immediately pull, out, pull him out of, on the Sabbath day, right? So how does Jesus see sick people? He sees it as, some, as if someone fell into a pit or else he wouldn't have used this. And I remember where he's at. Remember who he's talking to. He's talking to the Pharisees, self-righteous people, right? So there's a lot of churches filled today with self-righteous. I used to be a self-righteous person. I would tell you to do something that I wasn't really able to do, right? It's still that way, actually. <laughs> but I know I'm loved. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, and again, they could not answer him, uh, these things. So he told a parable to those who were invited. When not, now he's talking now. He's in a house full of Pharisees and lawyers, but he's, now he's talking to the people that were invited to this, just like he was. All right? Jesus did not we read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Okay? He's going to be sharp with them, all right? So, so and he, he told this parable to them who were invited, and when he noted how they chose the best places, they chose, now these are self-righteous people, right? Chose the best places. He said, when you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place. Don't come sit up front, right? Uh, uh, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, give place to this man, and then you begin the shame to take the lowest place, right? So if you come up here front like you all that, and then somebody that's more all that than you comes up, and they say, hey, bro, you're going to have to give up that seat, that's a walk of shame. Yeah? Would you agree? Yeah. First of all, I wouldn't get up. I'd be like, who are you? You get my seat, fool. I don't care who else it is. Right? But that's not how this goes. So we'll just go with what the word says. But when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and, who, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. People will say God doesn't want you to be exalted. That's not what it's saying. God doesn't want you to exalt you. God will exalt you when you humble yourself. Amen? And don't, don't say God won't exalt you. He doesn't want you to be exalted. He does. He just wants to be the one to do it. And the way he does it is when you humble yourself. He says you will be blessed. So they, this, that's, that's, now remember who he's talking to and where he is, right? Then he also said to him, now he's talking to the dude that invited him. See, it wasn't just a Pharisee. The Bible says it was the ruler of the Pharisees. Uh, he was up there, right? He said to him, like he addressed the invitees, and now he's like, yo, bro. Now he's looking at the guy that invited him, okay? And then he said to him who invited him, when you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Now, beautiful man. And, he, and now he, remember the table he's sitting at. You know, they're like, they're probably thinking, man, this dude is rude, right? But they can't say anything because he is Jesus. And he's speaking truth. Self-righteous people, man, they were invited. How I many of you guys have been to a church where it didn't really feel like a family? It didn't feel like you were, you were uh, welcomed, right? I hope that you never feel that way here. In fact, that's, that's one of the mo more compliments we get 
most compliment that we get is that people feel loved when they walk in here. And that's, a, that's not something we can create. You can't go to a seminar and learn that. That's, the, that's what the gospel of grace does. Changes people, man. Makes people see each other for, for, for who they are. The same way God sees them. Every single person is qualified in this room if you've accepted Christ, man. And that's the bottom line. It doesn't matter what your background is, what color you are, or who you voted for. None of that. When you come in here, it's all about Jesus. And that Jesus loves each and every one of us. And that's the focus of this church. And that's why we see each other the way we see each other. It's a beautiful thing. Amen? Amen. Whew, let's move on. All right. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Quoted scripture to Jesus. As if Jesus didn't write it. <laughs> Right? So what does Jesus do? He ignores him. <laughs> Can you imagine being that dude? He's like, well, blessed is he who eats at the table of God. Jesus like, anyway. <laughs> then, he said to, then he said to him, a certain man, right? Parable. Here's a parable. You're going to see a parable right here. Three parables um, that are going to blow your mind in this chapter. It's, it's awesome, right? And then he said to him, a certain man gave a great supper. Say great supper. Great. The only one person can give a great supper. This is not about a supper. This is about who God is. This is about what God is doing right now. Okay? So think of it in terms of a spiritual thing and not a physical supper. So then he said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many. Say many. 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 And sent his servant at supper time, supper time to say to those who were invited, come for all things are ready. All things are ready. See, this supper is different. This supper that Jesus has done for us, you come to that table, everything's ready. Everything you need for your life is at that table. Amen. All a man's supply, all a man's need is met at that table. That's what table this is. This is the table of the finished work. This is the table where everything's done. Everybody can come. Come as you are, right where you are. Come to the table and receive all of it. See that? All things. You say all things. all things. All things are ready. They're ready. That's the table of the Lord. Who's this servant? Who's this unnamed servant? The unnamed servant. I'm going to tell you, this is the table of Jesus. But listen, the unnamed servant is the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's the same Holy Spirit that we see throughout the Bible that goes unnamed. In the, in the story of Joseph, in the story of Jacob sending a sending uh, the, his servant to find a bride for Isaac, right, Rebecca. It's all a picture of Jesus. But the unnamed servant never draws attention to himself. It all goes to the master, to Jesus, right? So <clears throat> let's keep going. All right. uh, but they, with one accord, began to make excuses. He said, hey, table's finished. Come. Come. It's free. Come. Even though it's free, it's not cheap. It's not cheap. Right, it cost Jesus his life, but uh, but it's it's there and it's finished. But but like these people, we would think these people are crazy. But we do that, we do that. We make excuses. We're like I'm not going to come. Right? Look at this guy. <clears throat> the first said to him, "I have brought a piece of ground and I must go and see it." Who in the heck buys property before they see it? That's just dumb. That's a dumb excuse, right? And, and look at this, another said, I have, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. Well, shouldn't you have done that before you bought them? Right? How many of you guys go and buy a car before you test drive it? 
Nobody does that, man. Nobody. And again, the third one, still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. That's legit. <laughs> that, now that one might work. <laughs> no, but they're all excuses, man. Man will make excuses not to come. Who is he talking to? The Pharisees. They make excuses for not coming and getting everything that they need. They say, make me work for it. I'm able to work for it. I can do it. I'm a Pharisee. I know all this stuff. I am better than them, man. And the more religious people get, if, if you're a religious person, you think you're better than the common person. And you won't find that here. We know who we are, but we know that we're loved. Amen? All right, so that servant came and reported these things to his master. And then the master of the house, being angry, being angry, said to his servant, what makes Jesus angry? What makes him angry? What makes God angry? In fact, it's the only thing that will keep you out of heaven, and that's rejecting the finished work. These guys don't want to come to the table. These religious Pharisees and lawyers, they don't want to come to the table and receive. They'd rather give, give, give. Look at me. Look what I can do. And that makes them angry. Why does it make them angry? Because they're rejecting the finished work. The table's ready, but they won't come because they are making excuses. That's what the law does to you. Amen? The law never made a missionary. Only grace will make missionaries. All right? So he says, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there's room. Let me tell you something. Heaven's going to be huge. Heaven's going to be huge, huge <laughs> from New York, right? It's going to be huge. So let me just tell you this. If, <laughs> if, if not very many people are going to get into heaven, and it will not be because God didn't love them. It'll be because they rejected Jesus. It won't even be because they sinned. Sin's been dealt with. It'll be because they rejected Jesus. They rejected the payment. Amen? Amen. And so this is, this is the same thing here. If the Jewish, if the Pharisees, the religious people, didn't want to, to come to the table that had been completed for them, then guess what? We're going to go outside and get some beer. That's what, that's what Paul's ministry was. He went to the Gentiles, and people came. Amen? Um, look at this. I love how there's always more room. Like, God is always much more than we could ever ask for or think. Would you agree? Always gives much more. So let me show you an example in Exodus. When God first introduced uh, the, the uh, communion covenant here, speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, on the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, see, the lamb's always bigger. The lamb's always greater. The lamb will always be more than you could ever ask or think. And that's what we get to partake of every Sunday. You can do it at home on your own. Listen, the lamb is always bigger than what you're, the, the supply is always greater than the demand. That's the, that's the math that God works with. You remember when he held up the baskets, right? God's math works a little different. His, his supply is always greater than the demand. So I don't know what's going on in your life. Let me just tell you this. If you think there's something out there that's got a big demand on you, you got to trust God to supply that and more. Because that's what he does. That's what he's always done. Love it. All right. Back to Luke. 
And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there's room. Then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel, compel them to come in that my house may be full. God wants every single person in heaven. That's who he is. Now, that's not what's coming from most pulpits and most books that you might read and you look on TV and all that. But I'm telling you, God loves every single person. His desire is that all should go to heaven and none should perish. That's his desire. He loves people. If he loves people that way, we should love people that way. Amen. Amen? Amen. So <clears throat> you see the word hedges there. That literally is boundaries, right? Yeah. Now that means that, 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 that there's going to be a remarkable, in fact, in Haiti, more people will start to come to know the Lord because the gospel's going over the borders, out, out, out. Okay, it came out. He said, go to Jerusalem first, right? Go to Jerusalem, the very city that put Jesus on the cross. God, that's the grace of God. The very city that, that put Jesus on the cross. God said, go to them first. Share the good news. He loves people. And, and it goes out past the hedges. The gospel will. And it will. It's, it's going. And I believe that the gospel is not just moving from, the, from up here now. That it's moving from the church. Like there, you guys are receiving it and you're taking it out. And, you're, and people are like drawn to that, man. And I love the word compel. Compel. God compelled. Right? So, so here we see Jesus compelling. God compels. God never compels against your self-will. You have self-will. You can deny it if you want to or you can receive it. But compelling here, he will always put people in front of you that will help. Like Zacchaeus said, hey, today I'm going to go climb a tree. Right? He went and climbed that tree and he met Jesus that day. The Holy, he, the Holy Spirit put something on him. He went and did it. That's how the Lord compels you. Right? So how many of you guys know that Jesus had 70 disciples? 70. But only 12 of them stuck around. Watch, what kept him, right? <clears throat> John 6, and he said, therefore, I have said to you, this is Jesus, right? That no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. Amen. When people say, hey, I found Jesus in 1996, I'm like, no, Jesus wasn't lost, bro. <laughs> he found you. Amen. Don't ever he was lost. I found religion. You might have found religion, <laughs> but, but Jesus was never lost. He found you. Don't get it twisted, right? So, uh, so the, the Holy Spirit draws people, right? We can't even do that. The Holy Spirit goes through us to do that. All right, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Why? Why would all those disciples walk away from him? Because they came after Jesus as a teacher. They wanted to learn what he was doing. They wanted to be able to heal people for their glory. So people say, hey, man, look what you did. Yeah, look what I did, right? They, they wanted the title of being a part of Jesus. They didn't see Jesus as a savior. They didn't see Jesus as someone who could save them from their sin, right? Now, check this out. So they walked away. Pride, right? Pride. Pride is always that issue that gets people away. It's what got Satan kicked out. <clears throat> um, so they walked away. Then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. See, they knew. They knew, and Jesus even kept one out. Look, also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered them, did I not choose you? Jesus chose them, the 12, and one of you is the devil. Jesus let Judas hang around because he knew that he had to fulfill prophecy. So Jesus is in complete control here. He could have got rid of Judas. But he knew he had to fulfill prophecy. He knew. He knew his robe was going to lead him to a, 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 a horrific death. And he still went. He chose. Why? Because he chose us. So much he loved us. 
It's a beautiful thing. My dad was never around when I was growing up, right? So that was my picture of God, that when I needed someone, my dad wasn't there. I remember spending Thanksgivings in, uh, at the jail house on a picnic table with my dad and my grandma. Just never thought God was around, man, right? So what the heck? <laughs> if he ain't around, then he must not care. So I'd do my thing. And it was okay, man. I enjoyed life. I had a great time, man. But, you know, sometimes you get to a point where um, that stuff is just a Band-Aid and you start to see it. And you need to know that that is not how God, your father, is. That he will never leave you nor forsake you. He's always right there. He's not like our earthly dads. Some of y'all have great earthly dads. My children have a great earthly dad. <laughs> Isn't that right, Jumba? That's all I get. <laughs> you could have stood up and went <laughs> something like that. There you go. We really should talk before service next time when we get that done. <laughs> so, uh, let's go back. We're almost done. Uh, back to chapter 14. For I say to you that none of these, those men who were invited shall taste my supper. None of those self-righteous people can come and eat. None of them will. Th he's talking about the end time. Now there's going to come a time when they're going to come up to me and they're not going to be able to eat because they made excuses. They tried to do it on their own. They enjoyed their title. Right? None of them will come to that table. And so, <clears throat> check this out. Now, great multitudes went with him and he turned and said to them, great multitudes went with him. Where was he? With the Pharisees, the great multitude of Pharisees. So these, this great multitude that's following Jesus now are not the sinners that are found in Luke chapter 15 because it says now the sinners and tax collectors drew new to him, right? These are the Pharisees that are following him now, okay? Why are they following him? Jesus knew. He turned around and looked at them. He said, therefore, be, oh, wait, I wanted to show you this. They were following him because of what he just did. He healed a man of dropsy. He healed, and they wanted to do that. They wanted that power, so that's why they followed him. They didn't follow him because he's, he was a savior. Are you with me? And so he is telling them, if you want to be my disciple, you got to give it all up. We're going to see that in a second, but I want to show you this right here in Ephesians 5, right? Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Should we be disciples of Christ? Amen. Yes. Amen. Yeah, disciple in the Greek literally means the learner, right? The learner. The Jewish people were all about... You're a disciple of who? You're, who are you a disciple of, right? John, Jesus, what? So it was something that they prided themselves on. So it's like, where did you go to college? FSU? Oh, that's awesome. Florida? <laughs> ah, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm more afraid of her than him, all right? Just letting you know. I always picture Dwayne tackling me. I'm more worried about her tackling me, man. But you know what I'm saying? It's all about where, who your disciple was. Paul was a disciple of Galilee, right? He was a Gamal. He was uh, the, the, the head, like the Harvard of, of teachers back then of the law, right? So it's all about who you were a disciple of. So it's good that we do that, but how do we become a disciple? Well, let me just tell you that. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Now, you see dear children there in the English. It kind of does a disservice. In the Greek, it's dearly beloved children. Okay? It's agapitos, right? That's the love of God. So he's talking about when you know that you are loved by God, dearly loved by God, you will start to imitate him. Right? People that know how loved they are by their father will imitate their father. Right? 
people that uh, are abused by their father here on earth will imitate their father. Amen? Yeah. So if we want to be imitators of God, if we want to be a disciple of Jesus, we got to see first how much he loved us. Okay? And walk in love. Bam! See? Don't take my word for it. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Okay? When you know your love, you will follow him like you're loved. And you will love people. If you want to love people, people that you disagree with, people that you would never choose to hang out with, how else are they going to know unless they see the love that we have for one another? How will they know that God loves them? Right? It really does start with us, man. Whoo! All right, back. We're almost done. <clears throat> now, great multitude went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life, also he cannot be my disciple. That's harsh. That's Jesus. Right? And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me, cannot be my disciple. Now, I grew up hearing that all the time. It made me feel condemned. It made me feel like there's no way. I'm not, I'm not living right. I can't be a follower of Jesus. And they're like, you got to give up everything. I'm like, but I like my stuff. <laughs> if we're being honest, amen? Man, we're transparent. Just because I'm up here, I got a past and a future <laughs> of sin, right? By the way, wait, wait say hi to everybody. Just say hi to everybody. I would appreciate it if you guys did not talk to them after church because I went to high school with those guys. And I'm trying to do something here, and y'all could jack it up. So just when y'all leave, leave. <laughs> just joking. No, thank you for being here. We are, I am blessed that you guys are here, actually. All right? But seriously, leave when they started up here praying. Right <laughs> I know them longer than I've known anybody in this room. <coughs> um... So those are harsh words. Jesus did say those things, man. But, but who is he talking to? Is he talking to the sinners and tax collectors yet? No, he's talking to the Pharisees. He knew their heart. They couldn't receive what he was going to do with the tax collectors because they were self-righteous. See that? It's totally different. That's not for us, church. Say, that's not for me. That's not for me. And the word hate there, man, and Kelly and I had this conversation this morning. She's like, that just doesn't make sense. I'm like, I know it doesn't. You look it up in the Greek, it means or to be hated. Like, if you follow Jesus and you're a Pharisee, people are going to hate you. Other Pharisees are going to hate you. That's what happened to Paul. It means to be hated. You will be hated if you follow me. And he's talking to the Pharisees. And they took pride in who they were. They took pride in what they knew. Amen? Amen. There's people like that today. Do you agree? Some of y'all seen them. Some of you know them. I used to be one. Not anymore. I'm free, baby. Everybody's free. Hey, Wade and I used to be in chorus together, didn't we, in high school? Yeah. I never got a solo like he did, and that's probably why. I can rap, though. All right. Uh, for which of you intend, now he's going to tell the, the, the third parable, or second parable, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. If these Pharisees would have said, hey, I want to follow you, Jesus, and then left, 
People that said, hey, man, you're back and forth. You were following Jesus. Now you're not. What's up, man? Right? Saying, this man began to build it and was not able to finish. Or what king? Third parable right here. Going to make. These are third of par- uh, demand. Three parables of demand. It, or what king going to make war against another does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20. All right. Or else why the other is still a great way off. He sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all, forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. And people would tell me, you got to give it all up, Troy. You got to stop all this stuff, man, or you can't be a disciple of Jesus. But he's not talking to sinners. Well, he is, but he's talking to self-righteous people. Sinners are ready to receive from Jesus. Self-righteous people see him as a teacher. They want to do the things that he does. They want to be able to heal people. They want to be able to walk by people and their shadow touch them and they're healed. They want people to glorify them just like they glorify Jesus. They were looking for power, and Jesus knew that. So when you come at Jesus with law, he's going to give you law. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for a pile of poop. But men, I just wanted to say it because it sounded cool. But men, throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then immediately, then, then, then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him. And now his mind changes. Now his heart changes. Now you know why the Pharisees say, this man eats and receives sinners because they were just eating with Jesus. You see that? So they're eating with Jesus, and now he's hanging out with sinners, tax collectors. May that be what somebody accuses you of. Eat with people that sin. You sin, but I can't be seen there. Man, <laughs> you can't marry somebody if they don't go to church. Well, how, the, how else are they going to know? If we if we separate ourselves from them, I'll go. There's a lot of people in this church that are here because I did a wedding of two people that were living together in sin. I'm like, who doesn't live in sin? Y'all living in sin. Raise your hand if you're not living in sin right now. We all live in sin. See what religion does? It's crazy, man. Religion will make you crazy. It'll, It'll make you forget to love people. And these people, it was one. Even if it was one sinner came up to Jesus, it changed his attitude. Now he's comfortable. Now he gives three parables of grace. Why didn't he give those three parables of grace in the chapter before? They weren't ready to receive because they were looking at themselves as keeping everything that the Lord told them to do. Look at us. We are well able to do what he asked us to do. That sounds familiar. That came from Exodus 19. And as soon as they say that, Exodus 20, here comes the Ten Commandments. You think you can do everything I ask you to do? Great. Here's the Ten Commandments. Good luck. I'll get back to you in 1,500 years. And 1,500 years later, Jesus came. Amen? Beautiful thing. So he eats with them. Pharisee, now you know why the word then's there, right? I've gone through great pains to show you the context for a good reason. So now, so and we're not going to hit the third one. The third one is the, the prodigal son, right? We're not going to hit that one because of time, but I want to show you this. So he spoke to them a parable, first parable of grace, saying, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. I say to you, that likewise, 
there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Now, repentance. What in the world did the sheep do to ask for repentance? Is that what the sheep did? Did the sheep confess sin? No. What did the sheep do? The sheep consented to be loved by the shepherd. That's what repentance is to God. It's not confessing your sin. It's, be, it's consenting to be loved by the shepherd. The, see, this whole thing, we always make it about the sheep going lost, being lost. This, the, this whole thing is about the shepherd's joy. The shepherd did it all. The shepherd went out and found it. The shepherd put it on his shoulders. The shepherd rejoiced and called everybody. It's all about the shepherd's joy. And when one person, one sinner repents and sees how good God is, man, it fires the Lord up. He gets excited about that. We saw what makes him angry when you reject provision. But when you accept it, man, that fires him up. He's, in, he's, he's in just throwing a party up there, man. He's so joyful. This has nothing to do with the sheep. We're all like sheep who have gone astray. But, man, when you look at this, it's all about the shepherd. I'll get them. Boom. Let's keep going. All right. Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Right? Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. Again, what did the coin do to repent? nothing just got found it just got found and and the, the 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 lady the woman rejoiced and i used to misquote this scripture up until this week i never saw it but i want to show you something the angels didn't rejoice it wasn't the angels that rejoiced i used to say the angels rejoice when one person repents what does it say there's joy in the presence of angels what does that mean who's in the presence of angels God is God is rejoicing he's rejoicing it's God rejoicing he's rejoicing when one person repents not just the angels the, in the presence of the angels words matter amen that's beautiful man and I want to show and then you go into the third parable and we're done you go into the third parable it's the prodigal son but again it has nothing to do with the son the father waited for him the father saw him ran to him hugged him kissed him all about the father man it's all about the father you read these parables i want you to think about something the shepherd parable is jesus it's all about jesus coming to find us right the the woman with the coin is the holy spirit who sweeps over the earth looking for the lost image of god that at one time man was made in the image of and the holy spirit sweeping looking for the lost image of god that's the holy spirit and the third one the father is god God receives us now because of what Jesus did. It's a beautiful thing, people. When you see the Bible, when you look at this stuff and you see Jesus, you got to know who he's talking to. Don't receive something. If you receive something that makes you feel guilt and shame, it's not from the Father. The Father doesn't do that anymore. You know why? He put it on Jesus. That's why I was able to get rid of everything, man. Every time I struggle with something, man, how am I going to be able to do this, man? I know what I did. I know what I've done. You know what? Whatever I've done, God can take that and make it better. 
He can take it and make it greater. I love that. Love it. That's what he does for each and every one of us. If you have been completely changed by Jesus, would you just raise your hand, man, and testify to him? That, see, all around the room, people will think, man, he can never do that in my life. I guarantee you he can do it in your life because I know who I am. I know where I was. I know where I am now. I know where I'm going. I know that wherever I go, man, my past doesn't matter. My past does not dictate who I am. The word tells me who I am. I'm qualified. You say it. I'm redeemed. I'm completely forgiven. All my sin has been paid for. My future is bright because someone paid the price. He's not dead. He's alive. And because he's alive, I'm alive. <laughs> Boy, that felt good to say it, didn't it? You know why? Because it's the truth. When you start saying the truth, man, something happens. You start to feel power. It's not that fake power that lasts for, for a song. And you guys turn on a song and you hear it, man, you're like, whoo, like this is me. This is me. This is who I am from that, from that movie. Um, Greatest Showman. Y'all heard that song? I was just going to make a fool of myself. This is me, talking about this is who I am, all that. You start to feel good and everything. The song's over and another song comes on. You go, oh. Right? Listen, this stuff lasts a lifetime. This is the truth. This is who you are. You can, you can take it to the bank. You got to know at the end of the day when you walk away, God loves you. I don't care if you're saved or not. When you walk out of here, God loves you. God loves you right where you are. He's a God of love. He loves people, all people, all colors, all, all genders. Man, don't listen to all that stuff. Keep the main thing, the main thing. God loves people, and love will change it. Love will truly do it. You know why? Or Troy, you're just talking stuff. Let, let me tell you something. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. And it's true. We got to believe it. We got to take it out whether you go to Haiti or whether you go to, to anywhere overseas. How about this? Whether you go to a restaurant right after this church, let people know God loves them by the way you love them. Don't tell them, show them. And we, we're going to end right there, amen? Amen. Hey, stand up and give Jesus the praise. He deserves all of it, all of it. It's all about him. And let me just tell you something, don't ever think it's about you. It's always about his joy. Everything's about his joy. So receive it today, church. Listen, we don't do the church thing where you come down all the time. We follow the Holy Spirit, man. And I want you to know, if you want to join a church, this is who we are. Whether it's me or him speaking, you're going to hear the truth like that. Just like with passion. Passion. Our pain has turned into passion. Amen? Amen. Let me tell you, I used to be this passionate about my pain. But God made it work now. He made it work for me. And he's done that for all you guys. Yeah. We have a voice. Stand up and use it. Be courageous. Come on. This is who we are. If you haven't received Jesus, if you don't know who Jesus is, and maybe you thought you did. Man, let me pray with you before you leave. It won't take but 10 seconds because we're going to do what the Bible tells us to do. And then I'm going to tell you God loves you. Amen. And we, got, we can talk the rest of the week. We can disciple one another the rest of the week. But I want you to know Jesus loves you. And if that changed your heart and you've been struck right here, man, you want to pray a prayer, I'll pray a prayer with you. Amen. Amen. If you have a prayer request, man, we can do that too. I'd love to pray over you and remind you who you are.
Remind you how good your God, your father is. Amen? Amen. Now, I'm going to bring Pastor D up. He's going to pray us out. You receive it. How do we receive it, church? By saying amen. That means I agree. Let it be to me as he says it. He's going to speak truth into you. What he does. Amen. Let's go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity, Father, to be in your presence, Father. Father, we know that when two or more gather in your name, you are in the midst of them. And so, Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your awesome presence, God. We thank you for meeting us right where we are. Father, no matter what's going on in our life, Father, you are there with us. Father, your word says that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you, Father, for revealing yourself to us in so many awesome ways. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for not only being our teacher, for being the great rabbi that you was and the great prophet that you're known to be, but thank you for being our savior. Thank you for coming. Thank you for leaving your throne in heaven, coming and living a life that would fulfill the righteous requirements of the law, that which we could not do ourselves. Thank you for dying on the cross and, and for saving us from our sins. Thank you for redeeming us, for paying the ultimate price, allowing us to now be called sons and daughters of God, heirs of God, joint heirs with you in the kingdom of heaven. We thank you that because of you, we are seated in the heavenly places with you. We thank you for the relationship that we have with our heavenly father because of your sacrifice. For you died that he may have many. We're so grateful for all that you've done. Thank you for being our Lord. Thank you for being our Savior. Thank you for being the love of our souls and the lifter of our heads. Father, I ask you now to bless your people. Father, I thank you for blessing every household represented in this place. Thank you, Father, for, as I spoke earlier, blessing us in our coming and now blessing us in our going. Thank you for equipping us with the truth of the gospel, the good news, which is able to save even to the uttermost. Father, thank you for your love and your compassion. Thank you for the love of God that you have shed abroad in our hearts and our minds. As we leave this place, Father, give us divine appointments. Give us opportunities, Father, to share this good news, to share the gospel, to, to share the truth that makes us free. We thank you and we bless you for it. In Jesus' name, come on, let the church say amen. 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 We are released.